Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The award-winning crunch time. Pendlebury slapped it towards Collingwood's goal. Adams was good. Down low. Got it to Dacos. Got it on the boot. And goals. Crisp dropped the mark. Essendon got all of their numbers ahead. Parrish is the man that's run on, and he will walk into an open goal. They punish the Collingwood turnover with their first. Stringer for two in a row. Essendon for five in a row. Right forward pocket. Got it. What a turnaround in this game. Essendon's pressure created an opportunity. And willingness to take the game on. What about the run through the middle of the ground? Ham just put the ball under his wing and took off, and he had great running support. So they are playing with a lot more dare than Collingwood at the moment. This would be a huge start to the third quarter. He converts. Dream start for the Bombers. First goal of the third quarter inside the opening minute. Advantage paid. Everyone stopped. Farco didn't. Runs in another goal, and now the game is on at the MCG. The Pies are within 10 points, but now he's closer. He's 30 metres out. The kick is holding its line. It's there. It's a goal to Townsend, and the Bombers nudge back to that nine-point margin. Just over seven days. They've suffered two losses. They've had the loss of a couple of their stars in very different circumstances. And tonight, it's the Bombers who gave up the first three goals of the game, and they've come back to win in magnificent style. 10-3-63 to 7-6-48. A win to remember for the Bombers. In the last month, we scored in chunks, and then haven't scored for large parts of the game. But that's, that's nearly consistent with what we're seeing across the comp. That, it's cold comfort, though, because we're just not playing as consistently as we'd like to play. We're part of a very good team tonight, we know that. And um, to get a win against them is full credit to the way everyone focused on the week and um, got ourselves prepared and, and uh, delivered on the way we wanted to play. The Bombers find their battle mode in a compelling performance that dulls the luster on the highly fancied Magpies. We'll debate how Friday Night Footy reshaped reputations. Uh, we have some uh, breaking news, um, which I'm very pleased to report. I've just been advised uh, that uh, Queensland is coming uh, to the aid, or you could say the salvation of the AFL season. Part of the revised fixture is to temporarily relocate all 10 Victorian-based teams out of the state for 32 or so days and move them to bases in Queensland, New South Wales and Western Australia. Basically, the clubs are being told what state they're going to be hubbed into. So at this stage, it still hasn't been confirmed when the team will be going up or exactly where our home base is. So you can see everything sort of uh, needing to be confirmed by the state governments. You can't get excited about this. We'll never get excited. I mean, this, this season is an absolute roller coaster, And um, as I was saying before, you know, it's, it's the best soap opera, the best reality TV going around at the moment. So if you're, not, if you're not excited, not pumped about this, you never will be. The imminent evacuation of the game's heartland, Victoria abandoned to keep the season afloat. What does the next five weeks hold? Fixture boss Travis Old joins us. This is Crunch Time. I hope you can feel it the way I 
A dismal week for Collingwood. It's capped by a decent beating by a bit of foe, and it's the sort of night that causes a good few reassessments. And what on earth does come next? Frantic travel plans. Frantic last-minute travel plans are being made across Victoria as flights are booked. And accommodation is almost there. It's almost there. You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away, Stocked Out and Lego and Macca's new Cheesy Burgers. Jared Waitley with you. Our Crunch Time stocks are fully bolstered now for the remainder of season 2020 with one of the most decorated and revered players of the era. Four-time Premiership Hawk, three-time Premiership Captain, two-time Norm Smith medalist, number one draft pick, and 300-gamer Luke Hodge. Hodge, welcome to Crunch Time. Yes, thanks for having me, Jared. There's, um, there's been another big week in footy, um, but uh, I love watching last night's game, so I'm looking forward to discussing uh, what happened there. What was, your, what was your overwhelming sense when it came to an end? Um, I guess... We talk about the last few weeks about how defences strangle in the game of football, and I think that's what won Essendon in the game last night. Um, you look through, and it was a, a, a sloppy, wet-style game of football where I think Essendon's pressure made Collingwood overpossess the ball. I think Collingwood had 50 or 60 more handballs, um, which is not what you want on a, on a wet night. Um, and then you look at the half-forward pressure of, of the Essendon smaller blokes. I think Stringer, Tip and Woody, Townsend... Smith, um, the attitude that they came with last night was was exceptional, especially after the, the first 15 minutes where, where Collingwood jumped them. But I thought that turned the game. I thought their pro, their pressure made Collingwood, who were normally a, a pretty composed, um, calm ball movement team, um, I guess without Howe and Sidebottom in there, you, I, I guess that showed their leadership. But the Essendon pressure was, was outstanding. Mm, we'll delve there shortly as Essendon fans. I wonder if it's... If that's the breakthrough moment, it's a long time since a Bombers side has, has played so compellingly in a performance like that. So Sam Edmonds been working the phones trying to work out what on earth is going on. Hello, Sam. Jared, I thought the Rubik's Cube was tough. This is uh, something else that's changing by the minute, literally. But uh, good good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you too, Hodgie. It must be 2020, boys. Three of us in three different locations across two states. But great to be with you. What's going on? That's a very good question. It depends when you ask. What we do know is that the Saints will hub in Noosa. It was supposed to be Carlton as well, but the accommodation got a little bit too hard there. And in fact, Jared, the migration starts tomorrow when the Saints and the Blues fly up to Brisbane and then the Saints get on the bus and go a little bit further up to Noosa while the Blues go down uh, to the Gold Coast. The accommodation, as I say, is changing rapidly. But one thing is the constant, Jared. Now, these 10 Victorian clubs have been told, the order coming through from the AFL, that this is a hard quarantine, a full lockdown for two weeks. So clubs are saying that they've been told that if anyone leaves the facility that they're assigned to in this two-week quarantine, then the whole club will be sent back. That is a massive threat, but that's how serious and perilous the situation is. Some families are going up as well. It is a real hard quarantine for the two weeks. You stay there and you can't leave. And I'm hearing, Jared, that after round seven, we know that the AFL have got round six and seven locked in now, but they've got a roadmap for the next three rounds beyond that. Northern Territory keeps coming up. I think we're going to get games in the NT sooner rather than later. Okay, Travis Old to join us at 12.30. He can field some of these questions and give us a picture of it. How would you be, Luke, as a player, um, preparing for this weekend's game of footy whilst trying to get your life in order to know you're going to be on a plane in the next couple of days and away for at least 32 days? Oh, it's going to be tough. We've seen what uh, what the West Coast Eagles side is, how they've reacted. It's been, it's been very tough. And 
I can tell you their restrictions when they first came up here weren't as tough as what the the ten Victorian teams are going to get. Um, being in the same place for for two weeks, not be not being able to leave. Um, the facility is going to be extremely tough for them. But in saying that, we, we did see the Adelaide teams and, and the Western Australian teams make a move to, to keep the season going. And, and well done to, to the football clubs and the players that are going to pack up their bags. And it is going to be tough for, for a lot of the players. A lot of them are in different situations as far as family, kids, um, their partners, what they're going to do, whether they work or whether they come up to, to wherever they're, they're going to quarantine. But um, look, it's got to be a pat on the back for, for the footballers that are moving and also we've, we've got to acknowledge um, the, the South Australian and WA teams for what they've been able to do um, to, to keep our game going. It's what sort of shape do you get out of the hub ends? That's what makes so today so important for West Coast who simply have to get a win before uh, they return home. Is for the 10 Victorian clubs, Hodgie, do you think the next five weeks will largely shape their their aspirations in the season, how they absorb it, how they either crumble under it, mope around or succeed through it and bring back some positive energy for the for the run-in for the last seven games? Without a doubt. Um, you can already see Geelong uh, and, and their attitude about they're happy to go anywhere to play to, to keep the season going. And whether whether the coaches and the leaders believe that or not, it's the perception that they show to the rest of their team and their supporters and everyone else um, in the organisation. So normally the, the mindset and the, the actions of the coach and the, and the senior players are what filters through. So I think Geelong, they've got a, a senior side um, and their attitude and what they've said in the, in the public shows that they're happy to move. So you look that compared to, to Richmond, um, where you said that they're going to have a lot of players through personal situations, which I think everyone understands that. Um, that they might have players that, that won't go. Uh, and I've, I've had a lot of people up here in Brisbane sort of say, is that because Richmond have, have saluted, they've, they've won two of the last three flags, and the fact that they're at a, a situation now that maybe family family is more important than, than winning a premiership, where if you, you look at the players at Geelong, there's only a few left that, that played in the, the 2011 premiership. Uh, I know Danger will be bending over backwards to try and do anything to, to win a premiership, considering he's been so close so many times, but the mindset and the attitude is, is going to be a massive factor. And as I said, it's got, we're going to see over the next 32 or however many days um, how, how the teams react. Sam, uh, these are they're remarkable times nationally, not just for football. Is the the Channel 7 um, shots of police stopping cars on the border with a Queensland Premier saying, police will look for Victorians hiding in car boots and the like. I mean, they, we, we'll never live through times like this again. Jeez, I sort of wish I was in the boot uh, this morning, uh, Jared. She's frosty down here, isn't she? But uh, look... The it's the, I think we heard it earlier. It's the best reality TV you can you can bear witness to at the moment. It's the drama money can't buy. So those Gold Coast clubs, Richmond, the Western Bulldogs, North Melbourne, Essendon and Carlton are set. Now, New South Wales is Melbourne and Hawthorne. Melbourne have been assigned an hospital base in Manly, which is a good result for them. The Pies and the Cats are going to go west. The Cats have scored the Crown Hotel there in Perth, just over the road from Optus Stadium, of course. But Carlton St Kilda begin the migration, I told you earlier, Jared. Now, the Saints had a... a a player hookup yesterday where Jack Steele has offered to sit next to Paddy Cripps. Of course, they just played each other. And then Essendon <laughs> and North Melbourne go up on Monday. They play the next weekend at Metricon. So they reckon the first shared flight
flight to Sydney was a bit frosty. Well, they're, they're going to have to sit across the aisle from each other on the plane <laughs> up and then play each other a couple of days later. Oh, dear. What, what more can 2020 throw up? Uh, Travis Old to join us at 12.30 so we can pose all our questions around what are the plans beyond the two weeks that have been released uh, and the implications, the implications for the season more broadly and for the question of j- just the season hangs by a thread, but... I maintain it's a thread that the season can hang by, uh, and it's it's Travis's job to outrun checkmate and and keep a fixture that is viable with all that's happening around the country. So more details to come on that. Let, let's zero it right in on last night. Um, maybe from the Collingwood perspective first, Luke. It's been a it's been a shocking uh, eight days for them. Go to, lose to the Giants, lose Jeremy Howe. Loose steel side bottom for a month with a with circumstances that engulfed the club for a number of days, and then they were they were really underwhelming last night for the the team who I thought were the the one seed, the, the absolute benchmark. And um, they were they were nothing like that after the first fifteen minutes last night, bar for about seven or eight minutes in the last quarter. Yeah, you're right. If you look back at, at last week, I thought their performance against GWS GWS was was really good. Uh, they're going to beat a lot of teams at home. Um, but but since leaving that, as you said, it's been it's been a fair week for them. And has it taken uh, has the steel side bottom um, incident taken a lot of the the focus from the players? Uh, it, it looked like it out there. It looked like just they they were a little bit off. They started really well, but where in, in those pressure situations where Essendon really came at Collingwood, you need those those experienced blokes to really calm things down. And Steele is probably one of the more Composed him and Pendlebury, the two composed blokes through the midfield that are clean, are happy to hit a kick. Where Collingwood definitely overpossessed the ball because of the pressure, but Steele and, and Scotty are probably the two blokes who can compose things. And with, with how we know how organised he is down in the back line, it just seems like that they were they were under the pump. Um, it was overusing, and then the rush kick. There was a, a bit of play uh, where they, I think, handled. 10 or 11 times and then kicked it on the full um, which is not like what we've seen of Collingwood so yes it's been a big week but we've also known that in the past Collingwood have used away trips to really bond the team I remember Mm. Nick Maxwell going back a number of years ago saying that a lot of teams hated travelling because they're away from their home but Collingwood used to use it as a bonding session they'd do as much things as they could as a group to to really get a tight-knit group and I think that's what they're going to need to do uh, over these next 32 days yes they've had a lot go on but they're going to go away as a group. Um, they'll be there together, and, and I'm tipping that they'll be trying to have the same mindset of, of what they did a number of years ago. How acutely do you think Steel Sidebottom would have felt that last night while watching? Oh, there's no doubt he he would feel partly responsible for it because when you when you're a senior player, whether you're out through an indiscretion like that or or through suspension, you always look back and you go, "Could I have made a difference? Could I have helped here? Could I have helped there?" Um, so there's no doubt he's sitting back feeling a little bit accountable for, for, for what happened. But in saying that, that he's only one person and, and they had other blokes out there that, that could have put their hand up as well. And as I said, I, I don't want to take it away from Essendon because I thought Essendon's mm. attitude, I thought their endeavour, their, their chasing pressure that you don't always see a Jake Stringer laying seven tackles, I can tell you that. He's been probably hit a few times in the past for being more get-the-ball-kick goals rather than the defensive side. But But what they did last night was was exceptional and I think that's the standard that I guess the Essendon supporters and the Essendon Football Club expect from those smaller guys now. So more on Essendon in a moment. Just Collingwood's ball movement, Luke. Um, it is conservative. It's been extremely effective. So they're a highly regimented team and that's why I felt that they were the, the benchmark team 
yet they have gone periods of a couple of matches in, in the four since we've resumed where uh, they, they've lost all all flow of moving the ball forward and gone more than two quarters without kicking a goal. Is it... And we did speak in the lead-up last night to Brenton Sanderson. He said their number one focus was trying to increase their scoring. So they are acutely aware of it. But there were patches last night where the lateral kick seemed to undo everything that they were... Or stymie, if you were, if you were trying to build any momentum, their determination and their flinch instinct to go sideways first seemed to thwart their efforts. Yeah, I guess if you look at their first quarter, if you look at the um, the game against Richmond, they were, uh, what was it, five goals to, to nil. So they, they've been able to jump out of the box, and, and last night was exactly the same. But what teams are able to do there is to change a few tactics, and it doesn't seem like Collingwood can can change their style of game either. And you, you, sort of about the, you said about the lateral kick. Well, I guess it's always been a rule. You, you go sideways if there's an opportunity to, to roll and keep going. Otherwise, you're just stagnant. You give the opposition a team to set up their defence. So... When, you, when you've got a person like Cox down the line, uh, he didn't have much of an impact, but I don't really think they play the, the, the style of footy to give him an impact. Um, he, he's not down there to make to take 10 contested marks on, on a wet, dewy night. He's down there for, for a tall focus. And when you are in, under pressure, rather than handballing it 10 times or, or going sideways, you put it on the boot, you take ground, and then hopefully him, he makes a contest and then, you get, then you've got your crummers down below to either get a stoppage or, or surge it forward a little bit more. So I don't think the way they played really um, worked for him either. The, suddenly there's a lot of questions on Collingwood, Sam. No, no doubt about that. I just wonder about that forward mix. I mean, I don't mean to be unfair on Mason Cox. He came back for that GWS game and the Pies have lost their last two. I mean, there, no doubt there's more to it than that, but they look more predictable anyway, don't they, with Mason Cox there. He tracks the ball. He's such a beacon for them. Can't help but wonder, and this is obviously one for Hodgie, whether they're more unpredictable, more dangerous without him. We know Brody Mychek can play tall. Can Jordan Nagawi spend more time there as the second tall? And we know how dangerous their, their bevy of small forwards can be. You know, Stevenson Elliott, uh, Dacos has really come on, hasn't he, in the two Browns as well. And it wasn't the night for him last night, Mason, and Nathan Buckley uh, on record last night saying they want more out of him. But, geez, you just wonder what the mix, the right mix will be for them going forward. Yeah, I think if, as sort of I said before, if, you, if you're going to play a tall person down there, yes, Majek, he's been a really good hit up and, and for a bloke who's not overly tall to play a, a taller style of football. Um, but when you have almost 50 more touches in the opposition uh, and you have 50 more handballs, you're not playing into a big fella's game. Um, mm. And I think that's where they need to tweak it, especially with wet weather football. If it was a dry day, the way they play is no problems at all because they're, they're smooth enough, they're silky enough to, to get through opposition offences by a short 45 kick or a, or a switch and, and having the runners off, off half-back like a Noble and those kind of guys. Um, but when it comes to, to wet weather, you do need to, to put the, the silky smooth skills away and, and play a bit more dirty football. And whether that's a kick off the ground, a knock-on, use your tools long down the line, um, yes, it doesn't look as pretty, but it's more effective and there's less chance for turnovers. Uh, and there's less chance for those smaller Essendon um, forwards to, to lay pressure and, and, and put tackles on you. Gee, the pressure was good though, Jared. A rating of 200 in the last quarter for Essendon, plus 15 for tackles. There was a real swarming nature about them. Uh, Tip and Woody's game, unbelievable. Best game I've seen him play for quite a while. So that, that was the most striking aspect, Luke, which you've identified at the top, is that hasn't necessarily been Essendon's way, has it? Essendon, when they've looked threatening, have been a, a fast and flowing team, not not that blue-collar, hard edge team. Is What they brought last night, it'll be interesting to see, is that their 
we've been waiting, haven't we, with Ben Rutten and Blake Carousella to come in. They've had this shockingly interrupted start, even more so uh, than anybody else. Is I wonder whether that is the first glimpse of what they're going to try to lock in on. And if they did repeat that week on week on week, they, they do demand reassessment. Yeah, but I think you look through their midfield. They they can play that that blue collar style of football. Like Scotty Pendlebury underneath the contest, you got Grundy, who's the the best ruckman, and then follow up as well. Trelaw, Adams, they like to get in and under and, and get their hands dirty. Same when you got Dugowie running through there. But I think also you you look through how important accuracy is in a game of football. Um, you look through and they both had the same amount of scoring shots. We're sitting here saying how bad. Collingwood were compared to Essendon, but they both had 13 scoring shots, mm-hmm. but Essendon were able to kick 10-3 compared to 7-6, to which I guess it's the old the old tale of how important kicking is, but I guess it was the, the, the method that Essendon went about it and just how unsettled Collingwood looked. So is that Essendon's marker? You, you'd expect that. I, I think when you when you got talented blokes in that, in that side, as you do, it, it's... When, when they get the footy, they're always they can always kick goals and do the special things. But it's it's that attitude. Um, and I was lucky enough to play with a bloke, Cyrioli, who he might only have 13 touches a game, but you knew that if it was in his area, he'd chase, he'd tackle, he'd put pressure on. And a lot of the times that he wouldn't be able to tackle the person, but it was just that perceived pressure because he was known for doing it. Um, and if you've got Stringer, Tip and Woody, Townsend, Smith consistently doing that, um, you're going to have a lot of defences. Uh, that they play are going to be rushing, surging the ball out rather than having the the time and space to, to hit a kick to get out. Uh, and that obviously there gives you more chances to turn the ball over up the ground. There's a few issues out of last night, Sam. There are. Look, Channel 7 have just reported, uh, Jared, that Jake Stringer, as good as he was, speaking of guys who played their best games for a while, has a syndesmosis injury now. So another syndesmosis. So that's four weeks plus uh, at least. Obviously, we saw him on crutches in the moon boot. As his protocol, of course, after the game, after coming down, got a caught underneath him, didn't he, uh, late in that game. So they can't take a trip, the Bombers. We know Dyson Heppel's out uh, long term and now Jake Stringer. And that really leaves him vulnerable in the front half, doesn't it? Because uh, they don't bat too deep there. And he'd, uh, he'd showed some good signs last night. That's a bit of postscript, Luke. As you said at the top, as Stringer unlocked, unlocked a real possibility in the way that he attacked that game last night. Yeah, it was, and it's disappointing that a player can can show that, and then unfortunately, that's our game. Our game is, as we've seen in the past, with with how um, it's such a, a physical game, and and anything can happen to our players. So there's no doubt that he he's shown that what he can do, and when he gets back, he'll be expected to do the same. But the Essendon mindset will. Uh, whoever comes in to replace him, they know that that's the standard now. That's the standard of chasing, tackling, and putting pressure on. Couple on the umpire in front, Sam. There are. What about that tackle, if you don't mind? Uh, on uh, it was Will Snelling, of course, wasn't it? On uh, young Callum Brown, that was deemed a dangerous tackle at the time, at a critical time of the game too. I think it got them to within sixteen in the last quarter at the Pies, and they eventually closed it within three. So it came at a critical juncture. I think every eyebrow in the country was raised at that decision. But in retrospect, the AFL have come out and said via a spokesman that the AFL has confirmed the dangerous tackle free kick was unwarranted. In the umpire's view, he thought one arm was pinned and the tackle was excessive, which left the head in a vulnerable position. Obviously, I think the arm was pinned, Jared, but the head never really came close to uh, making contact with the turf in the end. So they got a lucky one there, the pies, but the AFL, I think you have to admire, they're quick to come out and um, admit that it was the incorrect decision. Yeah, it was just that, an error. That's great. I think that's that's what we want because I, I was sitting back watching it 
And I thought the reason why he went to ground is because the, he, Brown's momentum. He was trying to run away. Uh, Snelling was holding him and tried to pull him towards the ground. Um, there was no malice in the tackle. Yes, he had his arm pinned, but it didn't seem that dangerous. But the AFL come out straight away and say, yes, we made a mistake, and then everyone moves on. Otherwise, if they didn't do that, we'd be talking about this for two or three days. We'll see another one in today's game or tomorrow's game, compare them against each other. Um, so at least it's, it's well done from the AFL to get on the front foot and, and ticket and we can move on. Would have loved a microphone, Jared, in the Hodge living room when that decision was paid. <laughs> no, very calm. I'm a very, uh, very calm watcher these days. <laughs> and the score review had one of its unique moments. Yeah, it's just unsightly, isn't it, in any sport, not just ours, when obviously an umpire gets uh, clipped with the ball. But that is the rule in place at the moment, of course, isn't it? It was changed because of Eddie Betts in 2015, Jared, And uh, the ball from Jordan Degoe, it bounced end-on-end pretty much, didn't it? 90-degree angle on the goal line. Would have been a great goal, wouldn't it? But obviously, I'm not sure where the umpire is supposed to go. That's exactly where they're instructed to go, straddle the post, as it were. But it's clipped him on the thigh. Brian Taylor said, oh, we'll never, never know, boy, oh, boy, where we and all that sort of stuff. But they are the rule in place that the, 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 the I guess the umpire um, in the video review room there, the bunker has to decide whether the ball will hit the goalpost. And they decided it would have, and it probably would have on the balance of probability. So the right decision made as per the rules. But you just never like seeing the ball hit the <laughs> official, do you? So the correct process, no doubt, is you can't declare correct decision. It's just, it's entirely Impossible. subjective. I do feel for them, and whichever way the score reviewer had gone, it would have allowed for houses. Well, that was going to be a goal, or is it going to hit the post? Um, so you're on a hit to nothing in those moments. So just around the three of us, your gut feeling, do you think it was going to hit the post, Sam? Yeah, I do. I thought it was going to hit the post on the balance of probabilities. And the rule was changed in 2015, just quickly, Jared. I think it was Eddie Betts that was uh, had kicked a goal and uh, all eyebrows were raised in the AFL through Mark Evans, closed the loophole on that. Mm. But I thought it was going to clip the post, yep. Luke, what did you reckon? Yeah, same. I thought it was going to hit the post. It's, you learn something every day because I thought it was the old school of if it hits the umpire or goal umpire, it's play on. Yeah. Um, so that was a new rule that I uh, that I certainly learnt last night. But um, I felt that it was it was the right decision. It looked like it was going to hit the post. And as uh, as BT said, we, we'll never know. But I think uh, that's that's how it looked for me. Yeah, I think that that had to be the default position. It's it's subjective in the same way the LBW ball tracker Mm. is subjective Travis Old is about to join us so many questions about what comes next in this season the Bombers over the Pies last night the Suns have travelled to Geelong no doubt they had their luggage packed in their Samsonite business bag work from anywhere with a Samsonite business bag you're listening to Crunch Time for Cleanaway up your disposal efficiency with Cleanaway The award winning Crunch Time AFL Nation for McDonald's. Try Macca's new cheesy range. Your favourites, only cheesier. And Liquorland, always great value. The award-winning Crunch Time. It is crunch time for Stockdale and Lego. We see more than property. Jared Waitley, Luke Hodge and Sam Edmonds reflecting on what happened last night. Essendon over Collingwood in a season that does continue to surprise. But the cost is Jake Stringer. Uh, one to three months. The coach has just told Fox Footy will bring you that shortly. The man entrusted to outrun checkmate for us and keep the season alive is the general manager of fixture and broadcasting at the AFL Travis Old. Travis, welcome back to Crunch Time. Afternoon. Thanks for having me. Could you ever have imagined drawing up a fixture 
where all Victorian teams are out. Not a single team plays in their home state, and a full round is in New South Wales and Queensland. Well, uh, it, it's hard to believe that we've just announced round six and seven for the third time. Yes. So nice to get nice to get past that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're moving. I mean, it's staggering. We're moving. I don't know, 700 people out of Victoria over the next couple of days, um, not just into accommodation, but making sure we've got training facilities and stadium and whatnot. So it is, it is quite an exercise. How many different iterations did you run these rounds through in, in your workings in the office? Uh, I lost track, to be honest. It, it, this one really was um, quite complicated because, our, you know, with the quarantine um, regulations and, and then being different between states, um, you really, it really was hard to, to get something that worked, not just for this week, but for the next three or four weeks. Um, but uh, with our team led by Marcus King, they did an incredible job to find a way through it. Um, and so we're, we're, we're continuing on. Have you got eight, nine and ten done? You, you sort of need to have uh, at least eight, nine done um, to make sure that it flows through. And so we've got a bit of an idea of what the following two weeks looks like. Not, not necessarily by time slot um, um, or, or sort of venue, but, but broadly, yes. Uh, and so we're hoping maybe in the next I don't know, five to seven days we'll release at least one more round, if not two. Is in any – so the 32 days which has notionally been given, are you going to compress the fixture in those 32 days? So the last game in what you released is a Monday night game. Are, are there midweek games coming across this stretch? Uh, who knows? I mean, one, one thing I've learned quickly is not, not to make any sort of definitive statements about what things are going to look like. Um, at this stage, I think we can get the five games away in the 32 days. Uh, but if things change, then we've certainly got the ability to compress uh, if we need to. Have you got a rule of thumb you're working with on what the minimum day's break is for a team? We've had conversations with clubs and certainly the Players Association um, that, that a four-day break... Um, with the right conditions around it, is certainly achievable. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, you know, it's about travel and um, the day's break of the opponent. Whereas five-day breaks sort of used to be the minimum, I think in, in these conditions with a shorter game, maybe the odd four-day break um, um, clubs can live with. And Adelaide Oval, obviously uh, South Australia and Queensland were the, the two governments that, that changed the parameters. Queensland's been hugely accommodating with a hub. South Australia has said no. So the last game is when the borders open, July 20. What what happens with Adelaide Oval in your mind from here? So hopefully we can have um, the two South Australian teams after that date spend some time at home. They certainly deserve that, as do the two WA teams. And so I can see us rolling um, as long as we get the quarantine conditions right. Um, quite a number of teams through Adelaide Oval, as we will through Optus over time. Travis Older is with us, the boss of the fixture, uh, Luke Hodge. Yeah, g'day, Travis. I was just um, wondering, how much do you communicate with the clubs as far as their preference of where they go, or is it more of a, we need you guys to go here to, to keep the season rolling? Yeah, good question, Luke. I think in, in a normal year, we certainly work a lot with clubs about what they might have coming up. Um, it might even be around you know, school holidays, it might be around milestones, theme games, um, all those things that you would have been part of that you think, how do you best build a season with a bit of a narrative? Um, yeah. uh, this year it's not. This year it's a bit more about how do we just keep this thing going? And so clubs, sort of less about trying to, clubs picking and choosing and a lot more about um, what are the options in front of us? 
and, and clubs have been really, really accommodating with that. They've understood that it's going to take a bit of a joint effort with some shared sacrifice here to, to get these 17 games done. Travis, Sam Edmund here. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I think most people would agree pulling Noosa is the quarantine version of winning Powerball. How did the Saints land there? Yeah, they snuck under the guard of a few. Um, when uh, when they got they got Noosa, um, um, I, I got a few texts from the, some of the CEOs saying, "Hey, we didn't know Noosa was up for grabs." So, <laughs> as, Hod, as Hodgie will tell you, that um, they probably they probably hit the jackpot there and and uh, good on them. I mean, it's, it's Gold Coast is not a bad second prize. Um, these guys are um, got really good facilities there and good accommodation and elite training facilities. So, I think they're all pretty happy. They've, I'm sure they've all spoken to the SA and WA guys and. They've been very complimentary of the facilities. And why are they in Noosa, Travis? It's clearly an accommodation issue. I think Carlton were initially going to be there as well, but it got a little bit tricky accommodation-wise and, and training facility-wise. Yes, Sam, it's, it's a combination of, um, uh, one, you've got to have the accommodation, the right accommodation facilities that allow for social distancing and, and the like, but also you've got to have enough training facilities. And so making sure you've got enough ovals and gyms um, for each of the clubs to cycle through, um, is a bit of a you know is a bit of a maze and and uh, we originally had two in Noosa, we had to shift one to the Gold Coast just because there, w- there wasn't enough facilities there to accommodate two teams. I understand that clubs have obviously been given pretty stern instructions around obviously adhering to this quarantine period over the next two weeks, given the consequences would be pretty severe if there was a, a breach there. Yeah, and I, and I think the um, in some ways it's actually easier when you're on the road. Um, these guys are. Together in these hubs, um, all the staff are there, and so um, it, it, while the quarantine distance might be different per state, um, I think it, yes, number one, they do understand it. They certainly understand the consequences, but in a way that they're going to knuckle down and focus a fair bit on footy. I'd imagine over the next month. Uh, just the last one for me. I know you'd be reticent to to look beyond round seven, but the Northern Territory. It keeps coming up as an option. We know they're really keen up there. The NT government and Darwin looks a magnificent venue. Clearly, clubs can be sent around the country into states where border restrictions allow it after they serve their quarantine. Yeah, and we've been working really closely with the NT um, government. They've been incredibly supportive and generous um, in the sense of opening up um, their borders for us. Uh, we do want to play um, two or three games in NT, and I think... Um, we might see maybe over the next month or so um, some games. Um, you know, we've got Melbourne obviously played games in Alice, Gold Coast have played games in Darwin, and we'd like that to continue. Have you war games, Travis? What it looks like if there were circumstances where you couldn't play in Victoria after the the five week period? We'd have it. No, um, um, we'll start working through some scenarios beyond this period soon. Um, you, you do need a scenario plan, but you also you can waste a bit of time working out what yeah. rounds, you know, 14, 15, 16 look like. Um, you've just got to look at get, getting through based on what's in front of you at the time and make the best decisions you can. So we're absolutely committed to 17 rounds, and we will make that happen. How that plays out in the back end, I just can't tell you at the moment. So, Trav- Travis, is it more likely that you'd have a buy after that 32-day period when the teams do come back to Victoria, or is that almost a, a fail-safe plan? Um, it's certainly an option, and so you know, we keep saying the same thing. But we're certainly yeah. open-minded to, to whatever it's, it's going to take, and whether, whether that's a buy or a split round, or whether things change in Victoria or other states between now and then, I don't know. I've sort of given up predicting. <laughs> um, but but, but um, it, it, it's, it's a commitment we've made. It's a firm commitment we've made, and so we just got to work out what best works um, after that 32-day period.
the next two teams that would cycle through Western Australia, Travis, are they likely to face a scenario where they're in two weeks hard quarantine in their first destination and then go to Western Australia in another two weeks hard mm. quarantine? Yeah, if the conditions don't change at the moment, so it depends where they've been. Um, New South Wales is a little different than Queensland quarantine um, requirements. But then again, they may change between now and when the next two teams go. But, but certainly teams coming um, at the moment from outside WA will need to quarantine when they go into WA, as Geelong and, and Collingwood will. So that that's, in the various impositions, that, that's the hardest lot, isn't it, to, to be hit two weeks somewhere and then to get the next two weeks in WA? Yeah, I mean, quarantine um, um, in New South Wales different, is different than Queensland. But if you pick Queensland as an example, I mean, these guys have got access to a great facility the Royal Pines Resort is one of them they can move in and around the resort they can go to training they can play and so it's not not a hard lockdown quarantine like others might experience but certainly there's obligations that are more than reasonable on these guys um, in terms of protecting the health of each other but the health of the community. Are you finding it stimulating or exhausting? A bit of both a bit (laughs) of both Um, uh, but I I, I do love the challenge Um, and, and there's a group of us who are sort of pretty deep into it. Um, what I am enjoying is I, I think supporters are, are sort of intrigued. Um, certainly the level of interest that's coming through, not just the fixturing piece, but more importantly, the, our TV ratings, um, I'm sure they're flowing through the radio, um, it, it, uh, certainly well up on last year and, and that was up on the year before. So that's what really matters is fans are enjoying it. They're enjoying the football. Um, there's lots of upsets and hopefully that continues. Do you think in your fixture process you'll take any permanent learnings out of out of what you're living through, dictated by circumstances? Yeah, I think in this rush back to normal, we've got to really be careful about which bits we want to rush back to. And so um, not just in the fixturing component, but more broadly, what have we learnt? You know, already it's only five rounds in, but what have we learnt through these five rounds? What will we learn through this season that we can take into into future seasons. I, I think in some ways that's, that could be the most important piece of work that we do over the next four or five months. And are you still are you still running linear to October 24 or is it totally up in the air what the end date is? Yeah, look, we've never really focused on October 24. I, I know there's, you know there's an interest in as there should be in finals and grand final. For us, it's been a lot less about that. Um, it'll, it'll, it might be October, it might be November. Um, it could even be December. We've got a lot of time. And I think one of the, the good decisions the industry made going into this year was shortening the season because this gave us that flexibility along with shortening the game. Now, we probably even didn't realise we needed it at the time, but we certainly do now. Uh, and so that we're, we're relaxed about that component. Um, it's more just working through some of the, um, the complications that exist right now. Hmm. Travis, uh, yeah, it's, it's a level of intrigue we've never experienced before. Uh, good on you with what you're doing and good luck with it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And Travis. Travis Old is the general manager of fixture and broadcasting. It would be it would be incredibly stimulating. I've had a couple of play arounds with it just to see how you could get a few bits and pieces to work just because <laughs> it appeals to my brain. But there would be the war gaming of it, I think, would be remarkable. I agree with you. Andrew Bogut tweeted uh, yesterday, Jared, the AFL would dead set reformulate the fixture if a meteor was about to hit Earth so we could move a hub to Mars, he hypothesises. And he tips his lid to them too because I can barely dissect it, let alone orchestrate it. You tip your lid to the to the folk in there who are putting it all together. It must be completely overwhelming at times. 
Just have to keep it going, just keep the games going. Luke Hodge, Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund with you on Crunch Time. Go and see Mark at Croydon Tire Power. And right now, save on Falcon Wild Peak four-wheel drive tyres. It's a terrific day of football. And, and there's going to be no one at Kittinia Park at GMHBA Stadium for 350 for Gary Ablett and for 300 for Joel Selwood. Their contemporaries of Luke Hodge will get his view on two of the modern-day marvels coming up. This is crunch time going right through South Australia today ahead of Port Adelaide and West Coast. No, that's not it. That would be um, that would be last week's game, wouldn't it? West Coast and Sydney today for OTR, making life easy. Enjoy an egg and bacon breakfast for just $3 with any coffee purchase at OTR. The award-winning Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. Well, generally there are, you know, uh, at least four-week injury. Um, You know, we've seen players get back in that time if they've had surgery, but we we don't know what the outcome at, at, at the moment is. He'll need to see a surgeon to discuss whether that's the option we'll go down of... You know, that they can be obviously up to uh, three-month injury, so we're really – we don't know where he's at this stage. Essendon coach John Warsfold on Fox Footy a short time ago on Jake Stringer, so it's a bit of postscript to the Bombers' win last night. You're on crunch time for Cleanaway, Stockdale and Lego and Macca's new cheesy burgers. Luke, Hodge, do you think clubs will take injured players into their hubs, if, particularly if they know they're not going to play in the 32 days? Uh, I, I believe so. I think it's it works well with the uh, with the environment. I know it's going to be tough for a lot of players who are on the verge of playing, but the the injured guys can do so much, especially if they're senior players like Jake. Um, if they take him up or a, or a how in that in Collingwood's uh, situation where they can still be around helping the younger guys, talking to them, teaching them, um, they might sit back and watch from a different perspective than what the coaches do and be able to give feedback that way. So there is always. Um, roles and jobs to do for injured players when that, when you go away. And uh, Sam, there's um, another foul racist incident on on social media today. And uh, there is uh, Jared last night. It was directed at. Jeez, uh, you get sick of reading these out, don't you? At uh, Travis Varco. There was also some abuse of Mason Cox on social media, but it was the Varco um, comments that have obviously. Um, you know, attracted the ire of so many people, especially the Collingwood Football Club, who have just released a statement uh, expressing their condemnation in the strongest possible terms of the racial vilification directed at Travis Varco. The club says it's established that the author um, made an offensive social media post and they're not a member of the Collingwood Football Club. So the club is asking for anyone involved in last night's online conversation or who has details regarding the post or conversation to contact the club and that, if possible, the matter will be handed to the authorities, Jared. Happier matters. Uh, Luke, two modern-day greats, two contemporaries of your time in the game. So Joel Selwood first. He plays his 300th game. It is the big milestone. You, you lived through it. He might have been a hawk. Is That, that story has been remind me, recounted. Jared. Don't remind me. <laughs> Imagine if he'd been a hawk, Luke. Oh, it would have been, uh, would have been nice playing with him rather than against him for, for so many years. But, yes, he went uh, – we had picked number six. Uh, and, yeah, Geelong took him pick number seven. So I, th- I think the query – with him was his knees at the time. Uh, Xavier Ellis was a was a really good mate of his, and he kept telling the boys that no, no, he's he's going to be good. He'll be okay. Well, he's turned out to be an absolute jet. Um, someone who, 
you've you got to respect the way he goes about it. Um, there, there's some guys on a footy field where you know you might be able to intimidate them, whether uh, physical, verbal. Um, there's no point wasting time with Joel because you know that he'll look at you, he'll smile, and he'll just keep going, uh, and he'll go harder than what you will. Um, so for, for him to get through, and especially the way he plays the game, um, for him to get through 300 games, crashing and bashing since the first uh, first game back in, I think, 2007, um, and, and for him to to be for, to captain that, that footy club for so long, I think he's shown a, such a good example for so many of the, the Geelong football, the younger Geelong football players, and, and that's probably why they've been up the, the top of the ladder since, pretty much since he started. There's a beautiful photo this morning. So Marie Selwood uh, and Bryce, so mum and dad were on, on the radio with me on Thursday and uh, they can't go and they can't see Joel because of the, the bubble lockdown ahead of each game. But she'd she'd made a banner, Joel 300, and she was going this morning to hold it outside the bedroom window so that Joel could see that they were spiritually with him. Um, she's put it on Facebook this morning. Tony Wilson's put it on Twitter. It's, it's a beautiful image, Sam, of just... Um, footy just boils down to family at times, and it's got a very suburban feel for it. Oh, how's the family ties to football at that club? Uh, all three sons uh, playing at the elite level. I just can't help but look at that. You planted the seed in my mind what that midfield might have looked like. Mitchell, Hodge, Lewis, Sewell, Selwood. Boy, oh boy, they would have ripped blokes' heads off, Jared. Uh, probably a good thing for the rest of the competition that didn't ensue. It, it, the mind boggles at the prospects. And, and imagine and if Gaz had a yep. state at Hawthorne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not go down to Geelong. <laughs> Could have had him father-son. <laughs> you might have got a game, Luke. There might have been room. Mate, I would have been happy to be sitting on the bench watching those guys play in, uh, in the brown and gold. But, uh, look, they, they've both been – obviously, Gaz had a, uh, a six-year six trip to, to Gold Coast. Um, but what he's – I first played against Gaz back, in, uh, back down in Geelong when we were 12 years old. Uh, and to watch what he's been able to do, he's turned into one of the best midfielders ever in our game. Just how how strong he is, his understanding, um, and just his composure and around goals. Obviously, with with his father, who who is Gaz Senior, he was always going to have that ability. But what he's been able to turn into, it's it was terrible to play against him. But to sit back and watch him go, uh, it was he's. he's been a sensation from down there. Jared, I think pos- the best possible matchup potentially here because you've got these two guys in obviously the twilight of their career playing their 350 and 300th games respectively and then you've got a young bloke by the name of Matt Rowell who we all <laughs> think is going to get to 300 games plus and be a superstar of the competition. What a great matchup this is. Mm. Do you reckon, do you reckon uh, Chris got in uh, Rowell's head this week? Said, I oh, will definitely send someone to him. <laughs> Plant the seed. I reckon you're looking at the you're looking at the Geelong midfield. I reckon they're going to have the confidence to go head to head. Not worry about running with a tag. But do you reckon it was a little bit of mind games from an experienced player and coach just to a, a, a young fellow who's only played four games. It's a pretty great dynamic what exists around Raoul. So you've lived this life, Luke, as it doesn't usually happen for the round for the first pick quite like this. So the great first picks are, are you and Nick Revolt, and both of you sort of took your time. Do you marvel at, at a kid in four games who three weeks running has been a judge best of field by the coaches? Yeah, I guess after four games I was... Uh, getting told I was getting dropped back to the second. So, for him to for him to come in and just have that impact. But what I saw last week and, and made me laugh was when Nat Fife, who I've played on a number of times, he's a big, strong bloke. This eighteen-year-old kid's brushed him off like there was like he wasn't there, and then snapped it on his left in the in the first minute of play. 
Um, he'd had two left foot snaps, contested a couple of contested possessions, and set up a goal for him. So, for a bloke who you, you watch him do his interviews as well, and he's he's so nice, he's so calm, he's so placid. But then you see him on the footy field, and he's just hard, he's intense. Um, and for a person who's played four games to have such an impact down there, um, what what the Gold Coast guys have said about him. It's, he's obviously setting the culture and he's setting the standards for a lot of the older guys. And Hodgie, just the physique on the kid as well. Like, you don't see many 18-year-old bodies coming to the competition built like that. Obviously, he's blessed genetically, but he's done the hard work as well. He's, he's ready-made, as they say. Yeah, he is. Uh, Juddy was probably a similar one who came into AFL and he was ready to go with, with uh, I guess, his, his strength and, and how he could play the game. Um but for, for and that's normally an outside player who can come in and have an impact. But mm. for for a young fella to come in and be able to match it with with the fives and, and as you said, who's what eighteen year old gets ten votes from a coach three games uh, yeah. in a row? It's I think Josh Kennedy's the only other person to do it since it's came in, uh, and and Josh dominated the midfield for ten years. So look, especially up here, this is what Queensland footy needed. Um, through what's going on with with COVID, we've we've brought a lot of footy up to Queensland, which is exactly what we needed. But the other thing for the Gold Coast Suns is they had Gaze for a while, but now they've got this young superstar who's going to be uh, going to be a champion for them for the next 15 years. Bit of that. Uh, Luke Hodge, great to have you on Crunch Time. We'll talk on Tuesday. Thanks, Gerard. Crunch Time for Cleanaway, Stockdale and Lego and Macca's new cheesy burgers. Slashing through Edwards to full forward to Lambert and the goal is a delight for the Tiger fans. Australia and online at aflnation.com.au. Welcome to AFL Nation. For Clean Away, Stockdale and Lego, and Macca's new cheesy burgers. The looming evacuation of Victoria makes today's footy all the more crucial. There's an urgency to it. So on AFL Nation for Clean Away, Stocked Out and Lego and Macca's new cheesy burgers. West Coast have to get something out of their time on the Gold Coast is they'll get a decent stretch at home. They can't be so far behind the ledger that all they'll do is spend their time catching up. They play the Swans. If they're going to amount to anything, they've got to find a way to snap back to form and get on the board. One of the most momentous games in Geelong's history is the Cats play the Suns with dual milestones. 350 games for Gary Ablett and 300 for Joel Silwood. The appearance of Matt Rowell is thrilling in the football world. In the evening at Marvel, it's all about pecking order. Do the Dogs or the Kangas have a serious role to play? In 2020, tonight's game might go a long way to determining that. And then the peak happens at the back end. It's at the Gabba. It is the match of the round. The Brisbane Lions against Port Adelaide. Right match, right time. These are the two most adventurous teams in the competition. Against the debate of the week around the stifling nature of modern footy, can the Lions and Port put on a spectacle 
to thrill and show the other side of the game while determining, well, premiership favouritism might be flat out up for grabs after Collingwood's past two weeks. The Lions and Port to round out a monstrous Saturday of footy. The pre-game show for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos mould, air quality and environmental services. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund with you. Liam Pickering is shortly to join us. But, Sam, there's many a tale to be told on this Saturday of footy. I can't wait to see West Coast and whether they can snap out of their funk, Jared. For me, this is one of the most extraordinary storylines of the season, and that's probably saying something. One of only three clubs winless after the season resumed, of course. Historically, one of the best kicking teams in the AFL in recent years. They have the second worst disposal efficiency in the competition at the moment. That's a huge issue for them given that's such a cornerstone of their game and the success that they have had in the last few years. Can they turn it all around? I'm just having a look at it here. A picture-perfect day on the Gold Coast. No Jew, that modern phenomenon, uh, Jared. <laughs> Nowhere to be seen. And spare a thought also, there's a lot of milestones uh, happening this weekend. Luke Parker due to play game 200. This was supposed to be at the SCG with a crowd shipped off at the last minute to the Gold Coast. So no one gets to watch it. No family members and the like. So uh, Luke Parker, game 200. He has, it has been overwhelmed by uh, the events of the week, which have been remarkable in their own right. So Adam is with us in Croydon, one three hundred seven three six seven three six to join us over the next half hour before the match call gets underway. Adam, welcome. Oh, good day. How are you going? Very well. That's the way. Uh, just a question. If Nathan Buckley knew it was going to rain last night, why play Jason, uh, Mason Cox? Why play a big man? It's a really the, the setup of the Collingwood forward line has always caused much debate, Sam, and, mm. and that will intensify without question out of last night. Uh, we did speak about this earlier, and it is an interesting mix whether they go with Mychek, who's been so dynamic and such a revelation for them as the one tall, and potentially Dagoe as the other, and we know the small forwards that they've got. Mason Cox just hasn't worked for him this year for whatever reason. Came back into the side against GWS. They struggled to find the right formula in that game. And then he plays again last night on a wet day, as you say, and uh, a wet night, and it doesn't work for them either. So that would be the constant wrestle, I would have thought, for the Pies, whether they persist with Mason Cox in that forward role. They had tried Darcy Cameron there as well. Mm, it's... And he's always been the centre point of such debate, and and even more so now. It doesn't the, the Cox Meyer check lineup up forward doesn't strike fear, no. but when you've got so Dugowie's not having the impact that uh, his reputation runs well ahead of his accomplishments so far. But there's no denying the the raw mm. material. We haven't seen much of it this year, and Stevenson is the specialist at kicking first quarter goals, <laughs> and then not having an impact thereafter. So there are elements that would frighten you up front for Collingwood, but the the timber isn't part of that. No, they are looking for something, aren't they? And I guess maybe Dugowie's lull, as you say, or, or failure to live up to the billing at the moment is the reason they're searching for that right mix, that, that anchor down the line. And you can understand it maybe come finals, Tom, when you need that bailout kick perhaps, but... Maybe in these regular season games, particularly on wet nights, um, he's superfluous to requirements, Mason. And maybe a big part of it as well, Jared, is we know what he is capable of. We've seen it at its most uh, heightened and dramatic levels, and we're waiting for him to at least show a glimpse of that again. 
One of the themes of the week was Collingwood's capacity to inflict damage at their own hand, which they have regrettably done sort of year on year when they've had matters settled and Steel Sidebottom is the latest example of that through the week. Is It was interesting on Wednesday on Footy Classified, Matthew <laughs> Lloyd had that nagging feeling yes. that Eddie was running a different line when his player was involved at the centre of COVID breaches than he had previously. And then last night, uh, that previous clip uh, got something of an airing and why the AFL are trying to show social leadership and do everything right along the way. Not a lot of social leadership there. And the New South no. Wales Premier made it clear you're risking the entire competition it. when you do something well, I'm like saying that. once we get back, there'll be absolutely no sense of humour about anybody, you know, climbing out the window or letting somebody climb in the window. That'll be absolutely made clear. It won't uh, be the last, though, unfortunately, Ed. That won't be the last one. Well, you know what? We, mm. we say that all the time, like, ah, the naughty boys. So I said, no, it has to be the last time. Uh, I'm it, just it really telling does. you it won't be. Yeah, OK. Yeah. Well, maybe it has to be 100000 and you yeah. get suspended for the year. Yeah. What? What do we have to tell people? We're risking... We're trying to claw back 500 to $600 million. Yeah. Coming just, up next just, on Footy Classified, no we are going to be talking to the CEO of the Adelaide Football Pull Club who's joining us, Andrew Fagan. A few things to ask <laughs> Andrew Fagan, I can tell you. That comes up at the AFLPA's membership meeting tonight. <laughs> it's it's just there to be judged, isn't it? Oh. And what about the irony of climbing out the window yeah. and it was walking out the door? It's about the only thing he got wrong, wasn't it, Eddie? I tell you what. Oh. And that was on April 29, Jared, on Footy Classified, as you say. That was the same day three Fremantle players were caught attending a small house party during that 82-day shutdown that the competition was in the middle of. Boy, talk about words and claims coming back to haunt you. This was the audio Matthew Lloyd needed on Wednesday, Jared, as you say, and he hasn't had a good run with it, Eddie, and the line will forever be blurred about what hat he wears, and he's on the the so-called War Cabinet Committee, as it was with uh, with COVID-19. He hasn't had a good run with it in this space. Liam Pickering, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jared, and to you, Sammy. It's uh, it's been another interesting week in football. (laughs) Since this time last week, things have changed (laughs) a fair bit. (laughs) It's hard to keep up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, tell you what. We know um, things are things are different when Dennis Pagan's having his first runner at uh, Flemington as a horse trainer, <laughs> and it ran a damn good third, by the way. Ran a place, so that's not a bad effort. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, what a week. Yeah, the steel side bottom stuff to start, and then uh, Eddie's comments. Well, we had him on this morning on our show. I was like, wow, I hadn't heard that all. I didn't hear it at the time. Mm. Now it's being replayed, and it is. Like wildfire out there, and yet, and yet, Jared, are there still holes for you? At the risk of putting you on the spot, are there still holes in the storyline for you when it comes to Steel Sidebottom? Oh, a hundred percent. It is. Um, people can have their own views on on the collection of grabs and the like, but it's it, it's quite it's a galling moment when you just get flat out lied to, and I'll never really get used to that as a as a broadcaster or a journalist. But the explanation that was offered that he walked out the wrong door. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just laughable. Hmm. So that that can be the line that you want to run and you can hold to that, but I don't think anybody believes it. Do you think there's, Jared and Sammy, do you, do you think there's a little bit of Eddie going, all right, well, I'm going to make the headline so the story becomes about me more so than it does about – and I don't mean that 
because Eddie wants the story. I think to yeah. take a heat, take a little bit of heat off off Steele, maybe. Maybe, but he wasn't he wasn't thinking that on April twenty nine when he made those comments, well, was he? Obviously, he wasn't thinking that then because he didn't think a Collingwood player was yeah. going to be silly enough to to get themselves in trouble. Maybe, maybe, but the Collingwood statement, Jared, didn't mention anything. For all the the other hypocrisy is that for all the talk of transparency that Eddie levelled at Geelong in the Jack Stephen uh, kerfuffle, which was no fault of Jack Stephen either, mind you, he's a victim in that case. Then we have the Collingwood statement come out with no mention of police, no mention of police giving Steel side bottom a lift home. The club later saying through Jeff Walsh, the footy manager, that they deemed that superfluous to uh, the information once the police deemed there was no case to answer. But that's not full transparency either. No, no. So that's a, that's a calculated gamble, if you like. Uh, the public arc of the story changes as soon as that information enters the public domain the following morning. And people are smart enough to know. Is yep. Collingwood might object to the to the four-week suspension thinking it should have been two, but the public knew immediately as soon as the police veneer came over it that it was more serious than what had happened previously. Mm. So um, you, you can... You can pretend you're fooling people, but the the footy public are a bit shrewder than that. Yeah, they are. It's uh, well, four weeks is a hell of a lot better than the rest of the season. A hundred thousand dollar fine, mm. <laughs> which was the 29th of April comment from the uh, president. Mm. Shall we bring in John and Bendigo on the Bombers last night? Their very fine win, but it has come at a cost with Jake Stringer out for between one to three months. John, welcome. Hang uh, on, welcome. Uh, yeah, um, I just. Uh, I was talking about, and I'm a bit shocked about Jake Stringham. He was playing all right, too. Mm. But anyway, uh, when Essendon goes down the middle and, and goes down the corridor and opens up the whole goals, even Wayne Carey said when, yeah, what Essendon had to do before the game started was just to go down the middle and, and take the game on. And when they did that, they looked really good. But a slow, slow starting, fortunately, they got going after that. What did you make of them, Pickers? Yeah. yeah, I thought they were really good. Really good. I mean, yeah, you're right. John's spot on. They got away to a terrible start. Couldn't get their hands on the footy more than anything. And Collingwood finished their work well. I Literally mean, couldn't get their hands on the footy. No. Was it 57 possessions to three at it one was something, point? Something ridiculous where they just could not get their hands on the Sharon. Once they did and they got that first goal and then they got the second one, they got the belief. And once they got the belief, they put the foot down. And you know, Collingwood did well to get back within 15, I think. I think Eston were all over them in the end. Jared, you've got to give a shout-out to the big fleet, Andrew Phillips. I mean, the two <laughs> unheralded ruckmen that changed clubs, and Mark Pitnett's done some good things for Carlton as well, but Andrew Phillips going from Carlton to Essendon picks his all arms and legs to a degree, but he's a bash and crash. He's a banger of a ruckman, as they say, and he put the pressure on too, just like their little men. Do you know what, do you know what he is? And I've been told this by people that have had him at their club. Uh, he's fantastic first up. Yeah, he's a first okay. up specialist. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit like... I think Reece Stanley first up or back from a kick in the backside, you know, after a run in the twos, is excellent first up. Uh, Pitney, excellent first up. It's where the difference between those type of Ruckman and the Grundies and the Grundies of the world is mm. that the Grundies and the Gorns and that, they do it every week. That's true. Yep. And that Newies. But I look at uh, last night, he was fantastic. He was, in, he was in the most important players on the ground. He doesn't have to be John Nichols. He's just got to do what he did there, bash and crash and put the pressure on. Don't even start me on Ruckman. Fairinkham. Don't even start <laughs> me on him. They, they do, they've done my head in since I was a kid. What about the tackle that he like? competitive. That's all exactly. you want in the middle of the ground as an on-baller is make a contest in the air and make a contest when it hits the ground as well. well I can't Don't stand who, there like a statue. can't remember who it was on, Jared. You might, but he, ground level, he laid a ferocious yeah. tackle late in the goal square that uh, Dylan Shield kicked. S- the Shield goal. Yeah, yeah, the sealer, wasn't it? So that was... 
that epitomised his whole his whole night. Yeah, and that, that's what these really good ruckmen do. They follow up their work. They do it at the stoppages. They get around to the next stop. They, like they really want to work, and that's where Sam and uh, Andrew, I should say, has got to make sure that next week mm. that's not that's not just a one off. Mm. It can't be a one off. He's got to be performing at that level again next week. Essendon are three and one with a percentage of one hundred and eleven point three, and have the game in hand. Keep in mind on the ladder for forty winks. Your bed should be your biggest supporter. Find yours at forty winks. Collingwood are seventh for the moment. They're on ten points, so the two and a half wins. They've had one win since the resumption. They've lost a couple on the trot, and a few reassessments are being made around the grounds. Uh, the next game to fly is on the Gold Coast, where it's the Eagles and the Swans. We'll look towards that shortly for Plant High. Fleetplanthire.com.au. Do it right. First time, Fleet Plant Hire. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Pop into Beaumont Tiles. We're open with 30% off Aussie made tiles. Saturday afternoon footy on AFL Nation. For Identifiber, Asbestos Risk Management Services. This afternoon, first game to go is the Eagles and the Swans on a terrific day of footy. Jack Heverin coming in to call the action shortly. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Liam Pickering with you for McDonald's. Try Macca's new cheesy range, your favourites, only cheesier. Pickers, uh, dual milestones for the Cats. As we had Luke Hodge reflecting on contemporaries, Joel Silward and Gary Ablett. You've had a, a front row seat to the Ablett career throughout. Um, what does today mean? Well, it's a pretty special day. Um, you, you, we know how good his dad was, and you're right. I've, I've been blessed, really. I've had a, a front row seat to his old man in his prime as a player, and now 13 years managing the the the, the son Gary Junior. And oh, he's a, he's a delight to work with. I will say that. And oh, what a superstar player he's been. He's he very rarely puts in a, a bad game. He, he's been so consistent for oh, I would say 200 and. 70 or 80 of those games, he'd be nearing the best players. He's that sort of player. So, yeah, I don't can't remember a player dominating the competition as clearly the number one player for as long as Gary Jr. has, I must say. Because even when the Duck was running around or his dad was running around, the Duck was running around and Dunstall and Plagger and everyone. But, yeah, Gary has been, well, five MVPs voted by his peers. I mean, it pretty much tells you everything about him, doesn't it? Yeah, is the the statistical readout of what he's done is uh, he'll be a, in thirty years' time. There'll be a night where he's inducted as a, a legend into the Hall of Fame. He'll he'll be elevated from the the status of a, a first time in as, um, and he has provided those moments which have um, they, they've sort of bound the football world together. Is that, those years on the Gold Coast where he played off Broadway and. And suddenly on a Saturday night, he'd do something and every phone would light up if you weren't watching. You had to <laughs> yeah. flick over and find it. There's a very rare figure that can do that. Oh, there is. And, you know, I mean, he wasn't, you know, a lot of people said he's not a natural captain, but he did a terrific job. I remember when he went there, he had five sort of teen, senior teammates. That's about it. And the rest were kids. So, I mean, it was a pretty good effort to go up there and, and lead that club like he did and then to do it. You know, without a really a pre-season, his first year there, and he was All-Australian, and he was a captain of the All-Australian and a Brownlow medalist, you know, in his second or third year. So, yeah, his ability to perform and get himself up and, if you like, dull the noise, any noise around him. Like, you know, I always laugh, the Hawthorne fans boo him, and they've been booing him for 10 years, and he keeps getting best on against them. It's just, <laughs> he's the wrong place to person to boo, as an example. So, he gets himself up for big games. He, he very rarely goes... And doesn't perform in a big game, and even in the even in the games where 
you think, oh, there's not much to watch this afternoon. Even back when the Gold Coast, oh, Gold Coast, oh, Gaz is playing. I mean, mm. there was a lot of that about Gary. Uh, so he's a, he's a special player. Would the milestone mean anything to him? He gives yeah, the does. impression that it does. Yep. Yeah, it does. I had a really good chat with him last night. And we well, so he's modest. Mm. This is the thing. It's like, oh, I'm really wrapped for you, man. Oh, thanks. Really appreciate it. Yeah, as an yeah, outsider, that, you don't get that perspective. He's that, well, he's that guy. He's just, oh, yeah, oh, oh, really? So I'll send you through what the Fox footy team have done because Lee Carlson sent it through to me to oh, that was nice. have a look at it. It was yeah. lovely. And he goes, oh, I'll have a look at that. Yeah, I'll have, try and have a look at it later on the night. Like, but he probably didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. But oh, What yeah. a shame, though. It's moments like this where the real shame of what we're going through, on, a, on just specifically on a footy level, not a community or national level, that what, what COVID rams home is that mm. normally it would be a full house down there. They'd be Family. They'd be applauded and, and, and given all the respect that they deserve, the two of them, and yet no one can go. I mean, it would be great to see Gary Ablett Sr. in the stands, but we won't get yeah. to see that, so... Well, it is. It's 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 unfortunate, but it's, it is what everyone's dealing with at the mm. moment. I was talking to Stephen Wells yesterday, who just rung and passed on his best and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's a, it's a special milestone. I'm not sure how many in the history of the game have played over 350 or 350 or more. Jared, you'd probably know, but it'll be what 30 or 40. I'll just get the number. Even up. that, it might not even be that many. It, the week. it might even not even well, be that many. While Jared is looking for that, I've just uh, it's witnessed seventeen. So, oh, there you go. So it's under twenty. And he becomes, and yeah, he only had, he had those two years, or he'd be 400. I've just had a look at the Joel Selwood banner here, Jared. that's been uh, makeshift style set up at the front as captured by Tony Wilson of the family. It's an absolute cracker. Uh, get to Twitter at uh, by oh. Tony Wilson. So good. Joel, Joel 300 is the, the banner there with all the uh, the crepe paper. Uh, that'll be in Bendigo, I assume. And, you know, that, and Selwood, what a player and what a captain and what a leader uh, he is. When Cameron Lynn comes out and says he's the best captain ever, I'm not sure if he's ever saw any of the old captains, but... <laughs> Gee, I'll tell you what, in my, in my time being involved with the club and, and watching since, it, I totally agree with, with Lingy. To me, you know, we've, in my view, the last three captains have been great, uh, but I think this bloke, just the way he leads and the way he's, he, he actually just puts teams on his back, and he has done that for a number of years. I can just think, you can think of games, and you'll remember the games, Jerry, because you followed you along, but I remember one night at the SCG, he just picked the whole team up and carried him, <laughs> carried him on his back and took him to victory. He's just that sort of player, inspirational leader and, and tough. And, you know, I mean, I know opposition fans think he ducks his head. He doesn't duck his head, he rolls his shoulders. But not only that, it's just he's fair. He's tough and fair. And that's what I love about the way he plays. That's in the middle this afternoon. So Geelong and Gold Coast from GMHBA Stadium. Joel Selwood, the fifth Geelong player to reach 300 games. And uh, he will break the game's record, all things being equal, at the club next year. And Gary, the 17th player from a, a historic perspective to reach 350 in this competition. It's time to grab the points bets update ahead of the Eagles and the Swans with Elliot Forbes. An odds update. Proudly brought to you by PointsBet's AFL Early Payout. Lead at half-time and you win. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. G'day punters. Elliot from PointsBet here looking ahead to this one. West Coast versus the Swans. West Coast, they head into this one as favourites. They're $1.55 in betting. The Swannies are $2.45 outsiders. And that line sitting a nine and a half start for the Swannies here. First goal scorer markets are always popular with the punters. This game, no different. Kennedy on your first line of betting. $7.50 with us at points bet. Jack Darling, 8 bucks. Papley, 10 And Heaney, $11. Look, the Eagles, they can't wait to get back following a horrid run in the state of Queensland. They've lost three straight, the Sunshine State, and done so by an average margin of almost 41 points. And the Swannies, well, they're 0-2 at home, but 2-0 on the road this season. 
and without doubt a much better prospect when playing outside of Sydney. The elite odds, well, it is back every single game this round. Today, no different. Josh Kennedy and Andrew Gaff to combine for 45 touches or more. You're going to get $3 odds at points bet. And the early payout, well, it is back tonight. Your team leads at halftime, you win. It's as easy as that to get paid out early at points bet. Lead at halftime, you win. It's available Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night games all season. T's and C's do apply, so jump onto pointsbet.com.au, download the app, and as always, please gamble responsibly. Proudly brought to you by PointsBet's AFL Early Payout Lead at Halftime and You Win Gamble Responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Pickers, just give us the the, um, the player view as you've been able to measure it to the emergency evacuation of Victoria and the prospect of jumping on planes by the end of Monday and all being out. Well, I think they're just they're happy to do it, to be honest. I mean, it, in a deep sense, in a, in a deep down sense, I, I should say that yeah, they'll be thinking, well, what a what a year this has been. But they they want to play. They want to get the games on. They don't want the competition to be called off. So uh, there's been no pushback that I've heard from any of my guys. Um, I know that there are different circumstances with young families and expecting mu- uh, babies on the way and all this sort of stuff. But the majority of the players overall, I think, you know, would will be very keen to get there. Do any are any not going that you know? Like, without no, naming no, names, no, no, are I, any not going? I don't know anyone. Someone asked yep. me that last night. I, there's none in my crew that have said that they're not going, um, and I haven't heard it from any of the other guys. Yeah, yeah. When I talk to the players, I yeah, he's not going to go, or he's not going to. There's none of that. Mm. So, from my perspective, I think it's going to be an all-in factor. Uh, there'll be there'll be in and outs. I think too. There might be a couple that have, might have babies due. Mm. So you wouldn't expect them to jump on a plane Monday if it's you know babies you know any any day sort of from now. So, but I, I do think that there will be. There could be players that will have to come home from Habs, and that could be an op- uh, an option because, you know, as I said, you know, we don't know what the circumstances are on each player. We're talking about 750 players. Not all of them will be in the hub, but it's a lot of players when we're talking about how many are in the competition. Yes, hopefully we manage to be compassionate and understanding with those who for varying circumstances can't go rather than the, the judgment that mm. is, seems so eager to be cast by some hopefully we're a little bit kinder on that front. Sam you and I are going to depart. Jack Heverin to come in with Liam Pickering and call the Eagles and the Swans uh, well done this afternoon. Been a pleasure Jared. Who knows where we'll be this time next week. The Victorian clubs will be out of Melbourne. It's going to be fascinating what the next seven days I'll, give us. I'll tell you where Jared's going to be at 4.30 right on watching his television <laughs> like I will be. <laughs> Indeed. Yes we'll, we'll be there for a big moment. Good on you Pickers. Enjoy the afternoon. This is AFL Nation, the pre-game show for Identify by Asbestos Risk Management Services. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.